Yesterday, you mentioned how you settled in Nashville to work as a songwriter and then a session musician. That took us up to the late 90s. How did you spend the last decade? I was still there in Tennessee in the main with a short break in Austin, where a lot of the people I like to work with had moved. This is when a lot of the fun went out of it. All the talent shows had started and the labels began to sign 15-year-olds and ignoring anyone over 30, which is just what labels do, I suppose. The music industry was changing a lot and there were record company consolidations and closures, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, what had been a comfortable situation became less comfortable, mainly because a load of new faces moved in and they didn't know me. And the hats changed from cowboy to baseball. That was a sign. I bet. So the work dried up, inevitably. You don't realise how much of what you're doing is governed by people just employing you out of habit, which gets your confidence too. And then there's the fact that I didn't fit in with the fashion for songs about trucks. So what did you do? Well, struggled along, playing sessions here and there, but definitely living off the royalties of past successes by now. Started to cut my coat according to my cloth. Me and Marianne were separated, but not divorced. There was still a business relationship. We actually got together a, around 2005 to write a few songs. They were good, but not as good as before. Uh, we got divorced finally in 2009 and when she met someone else. Amicable. The main thing was to settle the business arrangements, which the payment of royalties takes care of. We only ever rented a house, so there wasn't anything like that to split, no kids. I signed on to someone's road band and did a few tours, played some sessions in LA, North Carolina, back in Texas, did a bit of travelling. You sound like you lost direction a bit, you're right. Uh, I was just filling time. What amazed me when I finally decided to move back to Europe was how much time I'd burned just moving around from little job to little job. I thought, while I still had some savings, I'd come over and buy a place. No romantic entanglement since you split up with Marianne? Nothing lasting longer than a couple of months, all part and parcel with my lack of interest in life in general. So moving back to Europe was like a fresh start? Why back to France? Why not back to the UK? Long story. So have we come to the bit where I ask you what happened back then, in 1983, to cause you to walk away from the band on the cusp of success? Were you feeling the pressure? It's odd that people talk about us being on the cusp of success these days. It didn't feel like that at the time. At the time, it felt to me like we were running out of ideas, of momentum, and that we'd reached a natural break. There was nobody in the band driving things forward. If it wasn't me, and I was distracted, there wasn't anybody else. So you felt like they were relying on you too much? Not in so many words. You don't articulate these thoughts. I was living one day at a time. Too involved in day-to-day -day things to worry about the future of the band. I just felt like if I let things drift, then they would drift. That's probably a bit unfair, though. The whole business of recording an album came from one of the others, Jim, I think.
Someone had inherited a few quid, enough to hire the recorder and a couple of days in a studio to mix everything down. Which means it's not right to say there was no momentum from anywhere else. I don't know what I mean. It's hard to express. But it just seemed like we were doing things out of habit, not because we thought they'd lead anywhere. Guitar music was most definitely not in fashion, not in 1983. Three years later, maybe. I don't know what the plan was supposed to be after recording the songs. I think they thought we might raise the money to get some albums pressed or that we could sell at gigs. But I wasn't really into it. You're in a band because it's fun. Because you want to play your guitar and express yourself, not because you want to sit at a desk collecting five-pound notes of reluctant punters. What were you distracted by? Part of the long story I mentioned. And I'm getting the feeling you don't want to tell it. Let's just say that it's not necessarily mine to tell. So are you going to start putting things out on your own label? I'm reluctant. I know it's what a lot of bands do these days, but I think it must really help to have someone around who enjoys that side of the business. Setting up websites, uploading tracks, getting publicity. I've been sitting on those digital tracks in there for a couple of months, and to be honest, I could go in and record an album of my own more recent songs. But then I come up against the same sense of inertia. It's not that I'm not interested in the music, it's just that not interested in anything other than the music. I'd rather bake bread than deal with customer service inquiries. So when you walked away from the band, as far as you were concerned, you were walking away from something that was reaching a natural end. But what about the tapes? The tapes disappeared on a night when there was some confusion. We'd been recording the songs in a factory, after hours. It was just a small local business, making parts for one of the car companies. They didn't run 24-hour shifts, so we were in there when the place was supposed to be closed. Anyway, for some reason, the police thought something else was going on in there, and they raided the premises. This was on that last night. We had just recorded the last song, and I was literally on my way out the back door to get to my car. I was with a friend, and the police came through the other door, making a lot of noise. We just legged it. She had the tapes. She went in her car. And that was it. I never saw her again. So she stole them? took them away to keep them safe, but then something else happened.
What happened to prevent you from getting the tapes? I was involved with a girl. Not the one who took the tapes. The girl I was involved with had a boyfriend. The boyfriend, I suspect, was behind the police raid on the factory where we were recording. I didn't think this at the time, but I came to see it later. He had friends in the police, and he was a bit of a control freak. Anyway, this girl, Melanie, was trying to break up with her old boyfriend, and he wasn't having any of it. Basically, the last thing that happened was that she contacted me to warn me. Friends in the police? This is a bit unbelievable. Tell me about it. I found it very hard to deal with, but you find yourself caught up in events, as they say. So he was basically making life impossible for you. I never did find out from the others what the police had said to them that night. They were there on the quiet, no permission or authorization, a load of music equipment with them. The tapes were safe, or so we thought. Anyway, I took the warning seriously. This boyfriend, from what I could gather, had access to all kinds of information and resources, and he wasn't the type to give up easily. I had reason to believe he would stop at nothing, and at the time I didn't feel like I was tied down to anything. My flat was rented, I left quite a lot of stuff behind, which I'm sure the landlord sold on to cover his expenses, but I felt it was expedient to disappear, change my name. But you didn't ever go back? I might have done, I think, but then I met Marianne and my life took a different turn. I was really enjoying myself for most of the rest of the 80s and 90s. It was only in the last five years when I lost that sense of momentum and direction and decided to come back. But not to the UK. You still think you'll have problems with the authorities? No, it's not that. It's... I first came here to the island with Marianne, and I thought all the way back then that this was where I wanted to end up. With this money I had and the prospects I had, I thought this would be my only chance to buy something round here. If I went back to England, I'd sink all my money into some overpriced, pokey British property and gradually fritter everything away. I've not been back, but nothing I've heard about the UK makes me want to live there. What kind of things have you heard? Things that were just getting started when I last lived there, like the use of CCTV, number plate recognition, the obsession with controlling behaviour, the use of police to discourage any type of dissent. I've seen that kind of shit and abuse at first hand, and it was bad enough 30 years ago. And France is better. The great thing about government over here and in other parts of mainland Europe, there's a much greater acceptance of the fact that they're incompetent, and a much stronger tradition of just fucking ignoring it and doing what you want. You look at the planning regs in this country, for example, and half the new builds around here are illegal. They're all too close to the sea, but no one cares. If they get washed away in the next spring tide, it's just tough. I needed planning permission to build my oven out back, but the paperwork got lost three times. So I just built it anyway. Nobody cares. The local mayor comes around for bread and pizza just like everyone else. So you won't even set foot in the UK, not even for a reunion gig? No, I will. I just wasn't planning on living there. It's so expensive that I'd not be able to survive on my royalties, and it's not as if I've got any other skills. I make myself useful around here, 
And we do a lot of bartering, kind of alternative economy, which is probably getting a head start on the rest of us. Exactly. And this girlfriend of yours, the one with the jealous ex, have you ever tried to get back in touch with her? Nope. Do you know what happened to her? Nope. Sad. Don't you want to know? Yes, I absolutely do, and I will try. It's all part of my project to excavate the past. A lot of people are afraid of digging up the past. So they should be. I'm afraid. But there's something I need to work out. I can't explain it too clearly, but there's definitely something. 